Last week, talked about Abba, Father, Abba, Daddy. I keep using that term. And if you go to Israel and go to Jerusalem or some of those places, when you hear kids playing with their fathers, they'll call them Abba. It's an intimate term that a child calls their father. And sometimes I think it can happen as you get older because teenagers, here's the truth, you fight really hard to get older and then you get there and you're going to find out it wasn't so bad being a youth, okay? But it's natural. But the other thing is this. Here's what's spiritual. You are a child of God. You're not, now you've heard man of God, and you've heard woman of God. Okay, that, you know, of God, wait, you're his child. And with that comes certain permissions, for lack of a better way to say that. You have the permission to run to him when you have fear. This song talked about splitting waters. Well, you may have a mountain. You may have a, a problem. And I'm going to go ahead and settle this one more time. The reason I used snow-capped mountains, it was 108 degrees today. I didn't want to show desert, all right? So the mountains are to remind us that there's cool and there's wonderful places like that. But we're a child of God, which gives us the permission to be able to go to him in our time of need. You see, he's not surprised at what's going on in our lives. He cares about us. But what can happen is we get older, somehow or other we feel like we get mature in God, and somehow or other we have stature to go to God. And when here's the truth. There is no one righteous unto themselves. You are only as mature as you think you are to God. And here's how you'll know how mature you're not. It's the first time all hell breaks loose in your life. You know what, guys? That's when you're going to find out you're not quite as tough as you think you are. I can say that with great authority because for most of my life, well, that's a lie because now I've been here most of my life. But for most of my life, the bottom line was this. I was raised, went to Vietnam. I learned that to be tough meant you fought hard. You weren't afraid of disarming bombs. In fact, one of my jobs was uh, to arm nuclear weapons. And that's, uh, that's, that was in close to here. I can't say where. But, you know, that was a job I had. Was I scared of that? Not a bit. I was 21 years old. I'd walk up to those things, and believe me, they can accidentally, not a nuclear weapon, but they can accidentally have a conventional explosion. I would go up to that and never think for one second about being scared. But that didn't mean I didn't have respect for what I was dealing with. You may be in a place right now where you're basically having to deal with a nuclear potential nuclear explosion in your family, a potential nuclear explosion in your job. And as such, fear wants to come in and hold your hand. God, meanwhile, is saying this. You come to me as a child of God. 
and I will protect you. I will guard you. I will send someone to you called the helper. So that whatever that you're dealing with, whatever that mountain is you've got facing you right now, and it doesn't have to be a giant one. It can be a small one. But rest assured, there's going to be more. As long as we're breathing, there's going to be more. So we come into these places, and we know that we've got issues to deal with, and we've talked about this. Procrastination leads to fear. Procrastination leads to more fear. And that's not a good thing. That's that old business analogy that I used one time in the, I think, the first week, where the, the most important thing you can start your day with is the thing you want to do least. Because from that point, it only goes uphill. And that's practical if you think about it, but here's the truth. Most of us want to take that thing we want to do worse. No, that I don't want to do this. So what do we do? We put it to the end of the day. What do we do? We worry about it all day long. Why? Because we know we're going to have to go do it eventually. What builds up? Could be fear. Could be anxiety. Could be want. I don't want to. But that's not the way God says live our lives. God says we live our lives as a child of God, meaning this, that we can run to him. Not physically run to him, but we can run to him in our mind. We can run to him in our spirit and say, Daddy, I need help. Or, Dad, I need help. Or, God, I need help. But you need to know this. There is no one on earth that can give you the kind of help that God will. No one. Not your best friend, not your pastor, not your priest, not your bishop, not your whatever you want to call them. They cannot give to you what God can give to you. Because he is your Abba Father. He is your Holy Father. So when you're thinking about what am I going to do, the bottom line is this. You look at a day, you look at your life, you look at your circumstance. I don't know what it is, but he does. And here's the thing. You can really only deal with one of these things at a time. You can't climb multiple mountains at once. You just cannot do it. You take them one at a time. But here's the thing. They can be so scary that we don't even want to start. And one of the things that we can say, I can say, somebody can say, is I don't have enough, I don't, I don't, and I don't even know that I say this. I think I just practice it sometimes. I don't have enough faith to believe that. I mean, here's the truth. I don't do this for a living. And you can ask my wife, when I wake up, the mountain I face this morning is this. Because this isn't what I do. But this is the mountain that he put in front of me. And you know what? I don't have enough education. I don't have enough knowledge. I can't, you can't poke me and Scripture come out or whatever. I have to actually trust God to do what he wants to do through me, and it's up to him, not me, how well that goes. But I'm required to be what? I'm required to be obedient to him. I can't let my lack of faith stand in the way of doing what he says do. I can't let my lack of faith Keep me from doing what God says do and dealing with what God says deal with. This verse out of Matthew 17, 20 says this, because you're not yet taking God seriously, said Jesus. The simple truth is that if you had a mere kernel of faith, a poppy seed, for example, you would tell this mountain to move, and it would move. 
there's nothing you wouldn't be able to tackle. Now, that's out of the message. But what it basically means is this. Jesus is saying, you do not have to be the mightiest, womanist, menist, whatever of God in the world and know all the Scripture in the Bible and can quote it front and backwards. That doesn't mean you got faith. But the giver of faith comes from him, and that's why the Holy Spirit was sent to this earth so that we can have faith. The example he's using here is faith in what? Faith in you? No. Faith, let, let's, I mean, I'm going to hush. I'm going to keep moving here for a second. Faith can be misplaced. Faith can be misplaced, but we use faith every day. As I said last week, we use it when we hit our brake pedal to stop the car. We don't sit out there and worry about our heartbeat. We don't go to sleep at night worrying if we're going to wake up. There's faith that we're practicing when we don't even know we're doing it, but that's faith in stuff. That's faith in things. I'm talking about a different kind of faith. I want to show you what mountain climbers have faith in. And go ahead and put these pictures up. This is, this is what caused this whole series right here. These, this is from the Grand Tetons National Forest Headquarters, whatever it's called, museum, whatever. Okay, so we're walking through this thing, and I come up to this example of a mountain, and that's the first thing that I see is this rope. And I think, well, that's interesting. That looks pretty sturdy. But then I look a little bit closer. Go to the next slide. Then I realize that one of those things is sticking in the wall, and there's a rope hanging on that. And then I come to the one that stopped me dead in my tracks. Do you see that little piece of metal right there wedged in the cleft of that rock and that wire cable coming off of it? Do you realize that when a mountain climber climbs, they put their faith in that little piece of metal to keep them from falling to their death, and they use, I don't know how many they use, but they put their faith in that. How much greater is faith in God than faith in that piece of metal? You see, we're going to have our faith one way or another. We're going to have our faith somewhere. We're going to believe I can do it all by myself, which is the greatest joke you can ever tell yourself. If you believe that, go stand in the mirror and say it and watch yourself laugh back in the mirror. <laughs> you can't. Here's the truth. Every time I think I can do it better, every time I just go off and do it, I'm a train wreck just looking for a place to happen. Because in myself dwells what? Nothing good. So probably I'm going to get myself in trouble. More than likely, I'm going to react out of the flesh. Spirit's going to have nothing to do with it. And I'm going to find myself in trouble. And you know the neat part about that is not what I did, but the fact of the matter is I can go to my Abba Father and say, I'm sorry. And he doesn't slap me. Your earthly father, when you said I'm sorry to him for doing something wrong, he might have slapped the fire out of you. And that's wrong. But I'm telling you, your Abba Father in heaven, you, he loves you infinitely. My grandkids... We use this expression, and some of you have probably heard others say this to you. I love you a million times infinity, Papa. Well, here's the truth. That doesn't compare to God's love for you. God's love for you is eternal. God's love for you doesn't change based on how good you are. God's love for you doesn't depend on you doing all these things right. 
In fact, you know what? God knew you were going to do all these things wrong. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for your sins that he knew you were going to commit so that you could have a Savior and you could have forgiveness. You see, here's the thing. All those that wrote the different things that go on the rock, the object of our faith is God. Let me say that again. The object of our faith is God. It's not have faith in faith. There's a big difference there. It's not faith in faith. It's faith in God. Faith has no value by itself. Only the object, God, has value. You put your faith anywhere else, and you can count on it not lasting very long. But you put your faith in God, and you know what? It's going to last, and he's going to stay with you. We use it all the time, and we don't know we're doing it. We do faith. We have faith in stuff, and then we come to a problem. We come to a mountain. We come to an issue in our family, and the first thing we do is we start having faith in, would you tell me what you think I should do? Or you walk over to this other person, you say, what do you think I should do? Without ever asking, God, what should I do? And then be quiet and listen, and you'll hear his voice. Now, does that mean you're going to hear an audible voice? You might. But I know this much for me, there's a way I can really tell. When I believe we're supposed to step out and light an eye and do some things, that there'll be one of two things happen to me. Either my insides are going to be turning and I'm going to be worrying about it, or somehow or other my insides are going to be okay no matter what it looks like on the outside, and we go ahead and do it because I know that's what God said too. That's how it works for me, and he's got it a way that he does it in you. Your ability to climb your mountain or your problem, to solve that problem, to deal with that person, is not based on how strong or determined you are or think you are. Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I read this last week. I'm going to read it again. This is out of the message, so it's combined. I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No. My strength from, comes from God who made heaven and earth and the mountains. In other words, God knew what you're dealing with right now from eternity. And he is standing, not standing, he is there in heaven having sent the Holy Spirit, called the helper, to give you strength to do what right now you're saying, but you don't understand it's impossible. No, it's not. Nothing is impossible with God. All things are possible with God. But do you know what, you know what the greatest enemy to that is? Fear. We can start thinking it, and we can start getting scared. But what if this happens? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? Listen, those guys that climb mountains, they had never climbed a mountain if they worried about every time they drove one of those little metal pieces in, if it was going to hold them or not. They kept going to the top. You go to God. You say, but you don't know what I've done wrong. He does. God, I, I, can't, I couldn't do it. You know, I couldn't do it. Well, you remember how we talked last week about how Scripture is truth? And that what he says in his word, he holds true to. Hebrews 4.16 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. One of the reasons is because I keep getting in so much trouble. And I don't intend to, but I just find myself 
sometimes getting myself into a predicament that was definitely not me following God. It was following what I wanted to do. Hebrews 4.16 says this out of the New Living. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, that's God's mercy, and we will find his grace, that's what that, his grace, to help us when we need it most. Here's the thing. You remember, let's go back to that first part that we talked about. We're all children of God, and he is our Abba Father. If you have children or grandchildren or nieces, nephews, cousins, whatever, you know, when they're at home, they know that they can run in to any room they want to. They know that they have permission to go in, like my, at, at our house in the studio where I do the video things that we do on Facebook and stuff. You know, my, my, one of my granddaughters, Finley, she, she knows when she walks in the house, the first place she goes is up the steps and heads to the studio. She doesn't have to do this. Papa? Papa, can I come in? No. She walks in, and I turn, and I get a smile on my face, and she has a smile on her face, and I hug her, and the first thing I say to her is, I love you, Finley. I'm so glad you're here. Fella, hey, macho dude, lady, you can walk into the throne room of God, and he's glad to see you. He's going to listen to you, and he's going to listen and love you. And it doesn't matter how bad you think you've been or, quite frankly, how bad you are right now. He says, I'm here for you to receive mercy and grace. Grace defined as this, that gift which God gives to us, which we do not deserve, we have not earned, and it can only come from him. So when we talk about this Abba Daddy, we talk about this child of God, we talk about this problem we've got, you know, we can sit there and pull our eyebrows out until they're all gone. We can sit there and drink until we're so drunk we forgot what the problem is, but when we get sober, it's going to be there again. Or we can say this, I'm going to humble myself. And you know what? I can't even do that without the Spirit, to be honest with you. Well, I want to humble myself, and I'm going to go into that throne room, and I'm going to have mercy and grace given to me, my God. And he will never leave me, and he will never forsake me, no matter what I have done. We must acknowledge that our flesh is weak, but his spirit in us is strong. Jeremiah 17, 9 is another one because I'm this, and so are you, whether you like it or not. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Verse 10, but I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what actions they deserve. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be, okay, here we go, write this one down. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the Word of God has planted in your hearts. Remember, we talked about this Scripture, sort of the Scripture being in our lives, in our hearts. For He has the power to save your soul. Verse 22 says, but don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. 
Otherwise, you're fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the Word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. You see, we've talked all these last three weeks about being able to go to our Abba Father in heaven and saying, help. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. It could be help. But first of all, we've got to submit to that authority. We've got to get over ourselves because we don't have righteousness. We've got to get over ourselves and go into that throne room and say, I need help. And he is faithful to do it no matter what you've done. So when God says climb, what do we do? We climb, we don't want for another go or voice to be heard. Listen, when you really know and you've looked in the Word and there's, and there's somebody, please don't do this. Please don't ask somebody else to verify God for you. Now, I told you, and I'm going to say this to you again because I don't think some of you got it. Last week, I used this example, and I mean this example. She's sitting over there. She's my wife, Lida. And there will be times where I will, will, will have to make a decision of some sort, and I will feel like, you know, okay, this is what I believe God wants us to do, and I'll tell her. And I'll turn to this dear, sweet wife of mine who is so wonderful and so sweet. I will turn to her and say, <laughs> I'm driving, honey. That's her voice, huh? What do you think? You know what my wife says? Loving, sweet, precious angel of a woman that she is. She says, that's between you and God. Not the answer I'm looking for. Because guess what? She happens to be absolutely right. It is between me and God. And you know what? She's smart enough to know not to step into that arena because she also knows what I'll do is if she says yes and I happen to be wrong, I got somebody to blame. Now, you think about that, husbands and wives or friends or whatever. When you hear from God and it's true and you've got peace in your spirit, whatever that feels like, I don't know what it feels like. For me, it's just a calmness in my stomach. Then you move out and you do that, but you don't have to verify that with somebody else. Oh, but you know what you could do? Maybe if you felt like it. You could go to his word. Because here's the thing. Don't ever come into my office and tell me God told you to get a divorce. Don't do it. Do not do it. God does not contradict himself. And God is not a 21st century God. God is eternal. God's value system is not determined by Congress, Senate, House of Representatives, President, whomever. The government is not God, and the government doesn't have anything to say about who God is. God is God alone, and it is his word of God that we are to be faithful to. And if you have something you think God's told you that is in the word of God is not there, then here's the truth. It isn't God, it's you. So be quiet. Thought I was going to say shut up, didn't you? But I didn't say shut up. Well, I have now, but that's different. But here's the thing. 
Don't, don't verify God for Pete's sake. It doesn't work. God's going to speak to you. I've never heard him. Well, be quiet, and you will. And then whatever he tells you, go verify in the Word. I keep saying the Word's the Scripture for Pete's sake. Where's the Scripture? It's in the Bible. I don't own a Bible. There's one in the back of the pews. Take it home. I'm not trying to be cute. The Word of God is not hard to understand. Here's the thing. You read it. You may say, but I didn't go to Greek, Hebrew, whatever, seminary and all that stuff. God doesn't give a riff about that. Read the Word, and you know what he'll do? His Spirit, Spirit from heaven called the Helper, will help you to understand and reveal truth in his Word. And that also goes for anything you might think you're supposed to do. Go to his Word. Chances are, <laughs> i got to believe God sometimes going to have to say, if you just read the Word I've left you, you'd know what you're supposed to do. The problem can be most of the time we do know what we're supposed to do, but it doesn't line up with what we want to do. And guess what? We don't want to look at that because we want to do what we want. That is not God. God is never wavered. God is eternal. And when the United States of America is nothing but a memory in a history book, if they still haven't, and Jesus hadn't come back, God's still going to be God. God's Word's still going to be God's Word. And if anybody wants to take anything out or put anything extra in, that's man. And that's not God. Don't let others determine your faith and the steps you take based on their experience. Well, I know what I did. Well, how did it work? Well, that's terrible. It blew up my face. Well, maybe you weren't supposed to do that. You see, don't have somebody else tell you, well, here's what I did and then you run off and do it, maybe they're giving you good godly counsel. But you know what? That good godly counsel will be from Scripture. It won't be in my humble opinion. God is God. That settles it. God is who he is. That settles it. God's word is still true. That settles it. And if people try making his word fit their lifestyle or fit what they want to do, then they're dead wrong. You're not to touch God's Word. It is holy, and it is complete. So how do we do it? 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but praise be to God who gives us what? Strength to overcome through our Lord Jesus Christ. That Holy Spirit I'm talking about, the access to that comes by knowing one thing and one thing alone, made up of multiple parts. The total name is I'm a sinner. I've said that before. I am a sinner. We are a sinner first and foremost. He sent his son Jesus to become flesh, to give his life. Jesus gave his life. Jesus was not murdered. He gave his life as a sacrifice for your sin, my sin, and my sins to come. He is Savior and Lord. And when he left this earth, after he was raised from that empty tomb we just sang and got all excited about, when he left that tomb and he came back, he made a few visits, he verified himself to a few folks, and then he took off back to heaven. He said, don't worry about it, I'm going to send you some help. 
And that was the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit comes to you, comes to you through Jesus' blood. And will direct you and will tell you and will show you and deliver you exactly where you need to be, no matter what your circumstances are. Isaiah 41.10 says this. When you launch out on that mountain climb, when you head out tomorrow morning to go to that job and, or you go get in the car with whoever <laughs> and there's an issue, you need to remember this verse. Isaiah 41.10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, point two, for I am your God. Number three, I will strengthen you and help you. Remember I referred to the Holy Spirit as the helper? I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. For those that you don't know, maybe that right hand that's referred to is Jesus. That right hand where Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. But it's not going to be your righteousness, it's God's righteousness. It's not going to be your strength, it's going to be his strength in you by the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to allow you to look at a mountain that you've always said can't be done, to look at a health situation that I'm just, I just can't, I'm not going to, you know what? He's saying, no, that is not you. I have sent you a helper. Does that mean your circumstances may change? They may not. But your circumstances have absolutely nothing to do with your Christianity and your knowledge of Jesus. God is faithful. He says, I'll never leave you. I'm with you. I don't want you to be discouraged, for I am your God. I don't want you to be afraid, in other words. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. But what do we have to do? Remember we talked about little faith? Faith of the what? Poppy seed, I think it said in the message. Let's take that first step. Trusting who? Trusting you? No, trusting God. Take that first step toward him. Last week we talked, we read that scripture, that his sheep hear his voice and they know his voice and they follow him. Are you following him? He's saying, you don't understand. It's too hard to do. I understand that sentence, and I understand what that feels like. But we had last week a whole lot of folks raise their hands up and say, God did this in me, and God did this for me. And those people weren't lying. Those people are telling the truth. It's a testimony is what it's called. It's testifying is another way to say that, that this is what God did in me. That same God that did it for them will do it for you. You see, religion makes it really, really hard to come to God. Religion will tell you you got to go through all of these steps, all of these people, all of these preachers, bishops, pastors, priests, take your pick, to come to God wrong. God says, you can come into my throne room where I am, and it's full of mercy and grace for you, and I am there waiting for you. I will love you. I will smile at you, and I'll give you what you need. I will give you what you need. 
and he's faithful to do it. Now, will he give you what you want? Where does it say that? He says, I'll give you what you need. Because you know what? Believe it or not, sometimes I'm pretty sure that what I want is what I want, but it's definitely not what I need. And there's a country and western song that, I, you know, that <laughs> just, just if you know country western, you're going to know this song. It's called Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. You know, there's truth in that song. Because there are certain times that we're praying for something that is not according to what God wants us to be praying for, and it's not what we need. And you know what? God lovingly doesn't hit us in the face because we were stupid. He doesn't do that. He just lovingly keeps it from us, keeps them from us. So what's your mountain? What's your, what's your issue? Could be big, could be small, could be in between, but he knows. What is there that when you think about it, your stomach flips and fear rises, anxiety rises? What is it that you keep saying, I'm going, to get a, I'm going to get to it someday? Remember, we talked about someday is not a day of the week. What does procrastination breed? Fear, not faith. What is God saying? That's what the song said. Come to me. I'm your father. I care for you. I will provide for you. I will deliver you. Another way to say that is I'll take care of you. But take the first step toward me. Same thing on Facebook. You too, take the first step toward him. Would you all stand? Please. Josh or Rick. They're going to come up here and play, hopefully. If they don't, we're still going to do this. Prayer partners, come up here. Come to the side, please, and take your places. These people that come up here, they're not your answer, but they'll pray with you to go to the one who is. It doesn't matter if it's getting into college or the first day of school or whatever, high schoolers, middle schoolers, whatever. Senior adults, it doesn't matter if you're worried about what's going to happen to Medicare or Medicaid. God already has that in his hands. But if there's something in you that when you think about it, you get sick on the inside almost. You don't have to tell them what it is. You tell God what it is. But to pray in agreement with these folks who have faith to believe with you so that you can combine two poppy seeds instead of just one. And you can go straight to the throne room of grace and mercy. You can say, I've been daddy. I hurt. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. Help me. That's all you got to say. The eloquence of your prayer is not near as important as the direction of your prayer to God, your Abba Father. For you, no matter how old you are, are a child 
of God. Lord, thank you for this time. Pray, Lord, that you would even now, that you would give peace, you'd give hope, that you would begin to speak and folks that have thought, have said, I just can't, I just can't. Father, would they just take one step forward? You meet them, Father, at the place of their need. Would they, out of obedience, take one step forward? Father, bless these here that leave this place. Protect them on the highways. Protect them, Father, as they go to work or they're at home taking care of kids or whatever they're doing, Father. Protect them, Father, for you are their Abba Daddy. And, Lord, thank you for meeting us today. Thank you for your spirit being in this room. Lord, that which I said which is not of you, help it die in their ears and their minds. But, Father, that which is truth, which is your Scripture, would it become part of them? Would it be in their spirit? And would they know they are a child of God, most of all? For it's in your Son's name. Jesus, the Christ of Nazareth, we pray. Amen.